I'm, I'm a loud mouth, and uh, microphones, uh, you know, especially a small room like this, are pretty much unnecessary. So, but I understand you're recording, and, and you got to have that. So, uh, thank you all very much for having me here. I'm going to set this somewhere, put it right there. Get out of my way. Thank you. So, uh, I'm from Pierce City uh, Baptist. Uh, I have been uh, a Christian since I was in second grade. Uh, I was literally uh, taught by my pastors in, in grade school. My pastor's uh, wife was my teacher, and she looked just like Marilyn Monroe. She was hot, let me tell you. And it took two years old, or second grade, I mean, I, I knew that. So, but anyway, uh, I've been uh, in church since I was born. Uh, my parents, uh, when once I was out of the hospital, we just kept on going to church. And uh, all these years that I have uh, been in church, uh, I've always wanted God to, to use me somehow. And so as I got older, I, I thought, boy, I, I want to be a pastor. I, want, I would just want to be a pastor. And uh, just never really worked out that way. However, as I, I get growing up, and I'm in the, in the uh, youth choir, it uh, used to be called Fellowship Baptist Church, still is. And uh, we just kind of went on from there. Uh, music just seemed to... Uh, be the place where I ended up. God used me in, in that area. And uh, then as, as life goes on, as I ended up, I moved from um, Webb City. I moved to Monette. I got on at the gas service there. It used to be MGE. Then it was Southern Union, now it's Spire. So uh, that's where I work today. And... Uh, 26, that's almost 30 years ago, and I'm still considered a foreigner. So, uh, God has used me. I went to New Sight Baptist Church for many years, led music there. Uh, Barry Merritt and I, we shared uh, responsibilities there, and then and I did it for several years. And then, um, uh, Pierce City First Baptist uh, needed a past, or a music director, so I went there. And, and all this time, I'm wanting to be a pastor. I'm thinking, God, you're going the wrong direction. Um, however, you know, it's always smart not to tell God what to do. And so uh, I got to go to uh, Pierce City and led music there for several years. And, and now I'm, I'm at the point of uh, I never really thought I would get to and I'm 62, and I'm looking at retirement. Never dreamed I'd even think of that. And so this morning, I stand before you. I'm not a pastor. I never will be. Uh, however, uh, God has allowed me to uh, be a lay minister. Uh, I'm also an uh, elder in our church, uh, I don't know if uh, many of you have kept up with things that are have current, but a lot of Baptist churches uh, are going to elder-led churches. We do have a pastor. He is the head of the church. He is in the group of elders that we have. And, but um, as elders, we help the pastor. We help him uh, take the heat off of problems inside the church. Uh, we help him do things so that he can do exactly what God has called him to do, and that's be a pastor. And so this morning I stand before you, and I thank God for the opportunity to come. I've, I've done, done this for years, uh, as long as I can remember. Uh, back in 1981, I think it was, 80 or 81, there were uh, myself and three other guys I went to school with all went forward and uh, accepted God's call into the ministry. And so, to my knowledge, all four of us are still moving right along. So, you know, it's amazing how God will use you if you will let Him. And it's even more amazing what He will not let you do 
that's amazing because God has his plans and not mine. And this morning, and that's enough about me, I'm really nothing, be honest with you. This morning we're going to take a look, our main verse is going to be found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. How many of you know 2 Chronicles 7.14? Every one of you should know that. I mean, how many times have we rode out on I-44 and the, the big sign used to be out there of 2 Chronicles 7.14? Um, anybody care to cite that one for me? Brave enough? Chickens? <clears throat> All right. Second, Second Chronicles 7.14 uh, is one of those verses that is in the Old Testament and God is talking to uh, the children of Israel. And uh, if we go into studying about the children of Israel, one of the things that you will find uh, that they were really good at was forgetting God. All right, they... They were the, the, the people of God, the God that had chosen them, and yet God is having a really hard time keeping them focused on Himself. Why would He want them focused on Himself? He's our Creator, is He not? He's our God. And uh, He has been taking them uh, and and teaching them all of these things in the wilderness and all the way from the garden and into the wilderness and past the wilderness. And, and lo and behold, uh, in Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, there is another reminder. If my people who are called by my name shall do what? Humble themselves, first of all. Second is to pray. Don't pray before you become humble. You need to realize that you are talking to a holy God. He is holy, He is righteous, and He deserves uh, a people who humble themselves and realize how lowly I really am. Because God did not have to save anybody in this room. So I must humble myself and pray and do what next? Seek His face. Do you seek God's face from day to day? Do you seek God's face at all? As a Christian, it's important for us to realize that that relationship that we need to have with God requires us to want to see God. Now what made Moses so different from everybody else in the tribe of Israel is Moses, uh, here he was, the, uh, the prince of Egypt. And he was doing exactly what God expected him to do. He just didn't know it. And then one day he finds out that he is actually a Hebrew and now he wants to see this God of the Hebrews. He's got questions. And he wants a face-to-face with this God. And so the journey continues on. And in the wilderness, there was an event that happens uh, that I particularly like to go to and, and tell people about. And that's when Aaron and Miriam uh, begin to um, gossip about Moses and his wife. And they didn't like his wife. You know why they didn't like his wife? Because she had dark skin. She was an Ethiopian. And they didn't care much for that. And so they get to start saying things in in their private and and God, uh, hearing the thoughts of all people at all times, uh, doing only what God could do, he gets a hold of Aaron and Miriam, and Moses and said, I, gotta, I want to talk with you guys. I want all three of you to go to the, the tent of congregations right now. We're going to have a talk. And so as you go back into Numbers and you read about that, God chastises Aaron, who, if you remember, was the high priest of Israel. 
And he told Aaron and Miriam face to face, he said, when I talked to my servant Moses, I talked to him straight, not in parables. I talked to you in parables because you're unworthy. But I talked to Moses face to face as a man speaks face to face. Now, how awesome, (laughs) how awesome would that be? To get to see God face to face. Now, I think it was pretty neat that God revealed himself in a pillar of fire and a a cloud. And and all these people had to do was follow God. And that wasn't enough for them. Okay? Now I'm getting off my my sermon for the day here. And i got to watch out. But as we see this verse... God is telling them there's some things I have to have you to do because you've lost your way. Uh, My people who are called by my name, and who is it that is called by the name of God? Children of Israel were eventually called Christians. But guess who really are called by the name of God? That's us this morning. Uh, We were first called Christians at Antioch because they didn't know what else to call us. Uh, They they started kind of mocking us and making fun of us and they called us Christians because we followed Christ. Now, this is a a brand of, of honor, to be honest with you. And so... We can take a look at this verse and we start reminding ourselves these are things we need to do too. We need to humble ourselves and pray to seek God's face and turn from what? Our wicked ways. Anybody in here wicked? Well, let me ask you this. Who's not wicked? Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody raise your hand. Come on, I dare you. Okay, no. Everybody in here has a problem, and that problem's sin. And we we live in bodies that have been condemned by sin. So we gotta we gotta deal with that. And the only way we can deal with that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to turn from those wicked ways. Then God says, once you get your your life in order, then there's going to be some good things happen. And what's he list? What's he say in this verse? Then I will do what? I will hear from heaven. Now, how far away is heaven? You know, we got some uh, guys at NASA that are pretty impressed with themselves because we can uh, hear noises from Mars. And we got telescopes and super microphones that are listening out in space. And boy, they just, they can't pat themselves on the back enough about how all these noises, you know, millions of miles away. Do you know this morning, right here, you can pray to a God who's beyond the universe. He sits on the outside edge of it. And guess what? Here's every word you say. Here's every word we say. And he says, then I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive you of what? Your sins. Wow. God didn't have to do that. How many times do you think God looks at humanity and he says, man, I wish I'd have never done that. Go back to Genesis. We came that close of God just smashing the clay and said, man, let's just start over. In Genesis... As God is looking around at mankind, He says, It repents me uh, that I've created man. In other words, He was grieved. He was grieved terribly that He had actually created man. We've become so wicked, so evil, uh, that He finally decided that He is going to do something about it. And that's really where I want to go this morning. This verse reminds us, uh, let me continue on, I will forgive their sins, and then I will do what? Does our land need healing today? Boy, howdy. Uh, We have finally gotten to a point to where 
we will believe a lie just because it's comfortable. It helps us to remain in our comfortable spot. We'll believe it. We know it's a lie. We, we know it's deceiving, but man, we'll listen to it because man, if, if I don't want to get uneasy and I don't want to have to make a sacrifice. Uh, well, we'll talk about that here in a minute. As we go on. So my main verse that I want us to look at is Second Chronicles 7.14. We, even as Christians, and especially as Christians, need to remember this verse. We need to put it on the refrigerator. Uh, sign it in your Bible. Do whatever you got to do. And remember, this is a verse that we need to follow every day. Because every day we need to thank God for His provision. His justification, His sanctification, and His salvation that He's given us through Christ because He didn't have to do that. He loves us. As most of us are aware, our world as a whole is in a desperate and a dire time. Unlike the great wars that arose in times past where we could see the battle, Uh, Today we battle the greatest war ever fought in the history of humanity, much like the days of Noah. And what does Matthew 24 tell us? But as the days of Noah's were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man shall be. For in the day that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Now folks, (laughs) we're living in that time. You ever wonder what it would be like to live in the last days? Guess what? We're there. We're here. The last days are here. And we've heard it for years. I'm 62 years old. I've heard it since the 50s. All right, I was born in 59. So up through the 60s, you know, the hippie period and, and all that, we, we've heard the end is near. Well, let me tell you what, 60 years later, the end's even closer. I can see the signs as we read Revelations, as we study God's Word, and He tells us the events that are starting to happen. Folks, here it is. If you're not reading Revelations, you're not aware of what's going on. Um, water is going to be the new gold. Uh, you remember National Glacier National Forest? Anybody ever been there? Used to be a big bundle. Well, you know why'd they call it Glacier National Forest? Big chunk of ice, all it was. Well, now it's nothing but trees. So my point's not to sit here and scare you or cause fear into your heart. My My cause is to get you to think about what's happening. What is God showing us? What is He saying is is, is taking place? Well, now they're telling us the polar uh, caps are are melting and all this water. You know, we've had that happen before, haven't we? We had the Great Depression. Anybody remember the Great Depression last Monday? Yeah. Well, my dad was born in 33. He came in into the last part of it. I mean, if you lived up in the northern end of the United States, the Dust Bowl and the Depression, there wasn't jobs, there wasn't food, there wasn't anything. And it wasn't just because people didn't want to go to work, it was because there just wasn't work. And so the world was taking a, a terrible tumble. And so... I believe, just as Billy Graham wrote in his book, Approaching Hoofbeats, that we have heard the hoofbeats of the four horsemen on several occasions in history. I think in, in many instances we've heard it loud and clear, the horses coming, but then only to have God pull them back because the church finally got on its knees and started repenting. Now it had to be the church. Why did it have to be the church? Because society 
doesn't care about God anymore, never has. Even in the days of Noah. <laughs> See, things haven't changed, folks. It's still going the same way as it is. Evil people are not paying attention to God. So, so who is God depending on to heal the land? Me and you. He's telling us if we will get humbled, if we will pray, if we will seek His face, then He will heal our land. Sixty years. I'm sixty years old. I can sit here and tell you of instances throughout the history that I know of in the days I've lived when it looked like this world was gone. I remember rationing water. You guys remember that? Back in the 68, 67, 68, 69, got so dry, the ground cracked, it was terrible. But then God is coming back through because the people of God began to pray. God is pulling at the hearts of men. Soon, a great flood will engulf the world again, not with water or fire, but with hate, anger, malice, discontent. We are living in times in which many would rather believe a lie so that their lives will remain as it is rather than to follow the truth in which our God has spoken, has given to us, that we might have life full and meaningful, finding salvation in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why we as Christians have hope. We have a great hope. We know that this life is not somewhere we, be, we live in forever. We don't belong here. We belong in the presence of our Lord and our Savior, in the presence of our Father in heaven. And at no time in the history of humanity, no time has God ever, ever left His people alone. God the Father walked in the garden with Adam. God the Father led the children out of Egypt, and He taught them in the school of higher learning in the desert. Jesus Christ comes, uh, God in the form of, of man, and He teaches us exactly what God expects of us. And now that Jesus isn't here, who is? When Jesus went to heaven, did He just leave us alone? No, no. He told the disciples, He said, now listen up. And this is in Matthew's vernacular. When I get to heaven and I stand before my Father, I'm going to ask Him to send one who is known as the Comforter, the Holy Ghost. And He will bring all things into remembrance whatsoever I've taught you. Now what did Jesus just do? Jesus, I believe Jesus is God. I hope you do too. He said the Father and I are one. If you'd seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I can go on forever with that verses down through there. But we have the Holy Spirit today. God has never left us alone. He's never left us helpless. And He's never left us comfortless, has He? So as we see all these problems coming on around us, how should we react? Don't be despaired. Don't be full of afraid. Don't be think, oh my gosh, we're going to lose the world. Yeah, the world's already gone. The world's lost already. If you get into Revelations and you, you read the last chapter, guess what? The world's gone as we know it. We find salvation in Jesus Christ. You here this morning, you may look around and you may say, oh, we're just a small little church. Just 20 people, maybe. How many's here? Let me tell you what. God doesn't have a small church. He has a big church. And everywhere you go that there's a believer, guess what? There's God. you got a big God. This morning... You gather together here, and the Holy Spirit has promised to be here, didn't He? 
Didn't he promise that? Where two or more are gathered, there will I be also. Do you realize how much power you have in your hands to say, Satan, leave me alone. And he'll come back tomorrow. Satan, leave me alone. He has to obey. We have never been left comfortless and alone by God. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. It goes without saying that unless you're hiding in a deep, dark jungle in the middle of who knows where, these days are quickly approaching. Ever wonder, and I've mentioned this already, ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the, in the final days? We're living in the final days. The great falling away, as mentioned in this verse, is here. That great day, uh, that great falling away comes not from society in which we live, as society has already turned its back on God for centuries. Talked about that. Rulers, governments, countries, states, townships have all declared their obedience to the laws of the day. But the real calamity comes from within the church, established by our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The great falling away has been taking place for several decades But as current affairs of the church show, many who wish to hide their sins uh, devise new and blasphemous doctrines. Those who call themselves gay Christians, Unitarian Christians, New Age Christians, so on and so forth, have devised new concepts and vile attributes in which the world in our current condition (laughs) is more than willing to relinquish to rather than the living truth of God's most holy word. How many of you took Bibles to school? You, you remember I was in I was in third grade, no, second grade, fourth grade, sorry, fourth grade, when they came in and they told us you can no longer bring your Bibles. Now, guess how that came about? Anybody want to tell me who the name of that person was? Yeah. And she was mad because her baby boy was uh, being afflicted by all these, these Bibles and how dare people say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know? Come on. One person, a single person, got Bibles taken out of the schools and then she disappeared and made her family full of shame too for for a long time what about Christians our next big problem comes along and it's Roe versus Wade and the Southern Baptist domination alone had enough numbers in it that had we stood up the way God expected us to stand up we could have had that overturned even then. But guess what? It was happening inside the church. And the church didn't want to stand up and get rid of a sin that they'd become common with. And today, (laughs) it's gotten worse. Now, I, I got a little sermon that I preached one day, even in our church, and boy, did I get in trouble. I didn't feel bad about it. I get in trouble all my life, so big deal. But gay Christianity is a horrible thing right now. And and I may get into that with this one. I don't know. I can't remember. I may be jumping too far forward. But there are churches, Baptist churches, who are saying we are gay and God loves us. I'm telling you, that is so far from the truth, it's not funny. It's condemning people to hell 
because we're preaching a false doctrine. And we can go into the scriptures and it will tell us the sins that God does not allow and that's among them. But now stop for a minute. I'm on, I know I'm off on the wrong sermon here, so I've lost my, lost my way here. But homosexuality is not the only sin that God's uh, tired of. Adultery, lying, gossip. Uh, I mean, we can sit here. I can sit here and tell you, let me talk about the, the Southern Baptist Convention. You know, our church has finally got to the point... <laughs> To where the Southern Baptist Convention sings, you have to be tolerant of all these things. Uh-uh. Sorry. That's not what the scripture says. So we kept our money away from the missions that we had sent to Southern Baptist Convention and we send them a dollar. And we have lots of missions in our area. That now we we have found all kinds of things in our own area that that we have we send our money to. Don't tell us that we have to accept sins. God is telling His people to humble yourselves and seek His face. First Corinthians six. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, and I've got it right here, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, the effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners, shall what? They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. People have finally gotten to the point of saying, this is how we want to live, God, leave us alone. God says, all right. That's the hard thing for us to accept. It's when we see people living this way, and you tell them about Jesus Christ, they've made a decision. And they know they've made the wrong one, because everybody has God pulling at them. Nobody in this room came to salvation to Jesus Christ unless God called you first. He had to pull at you. He had to remind you, you need my son. You need his salvation. And then you have a choice. Now verse 11, really good one. And such were some of you. Anybody in here kind of look down that list and say, "Mm, I'm kind of like, you know, borderline on that one. I kind of almost went into that one. Well, what is, what is Paul telling them? But you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Salvation has been granted to you by Jesus Christ if you've accepted Jesus as uh, the salvation offered through Jesus Christ. We... We in the church say you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The world doesn't really understand that. It's the salvation offered to us through Jesus Christ. Today we face a dastardly enemy. One who seeks to destroy not kingdoms, but the very souls of all men who willingly and unwittingly follow his deceit. Roaming around as a lion seeking whom he may devour and to take into every judgment of the second death of which has been prophesied for himself and all who will follow him. Satan knows where he's going. It's already been declared. Do you really want to follow him knowing where he's going? I I want to tell you no. And if we see people around us and you see them going in that same direction... Uh, Just tell them, hey, you know, Jesus Christ loves you and He's got a better place for you to live. So where is the real church of God and where is the light that stands upon the hill? Why have we grown silent, not even to pray to God for deliverance? We too have fallen into the life of living normally, keeping things at an even keel. 
so that we too have forgotten that this is truly not our home. This morning I want us to remind all of us who are called by the names of Christ, Christians, that it is time for us to wake and repent. It's a call to arms. The church which is faltering and we refuse to acknowledge our need to repent, we see the church following away. And yet we do nothing but come to Sunday after Sunday, sit in comfortable pews, ease our conscience and tell ourselves, well, what can I do? Well, there's good news. There's a lot we can do, isn't it? Oftentimes, and folks, when I, as I'm standing up here sharing this message with you, don't think I'm chewing you all out. Guess who got this message first? <laughs> yeah. I had to sit there and look at that several times and think, you know, how many times have I sought God's face every day? How many times, first of all, have I humbled myself? That's the tough one, folks, is to humble yourself. Work on that. You go back to Second Chronicles 7.14. You know, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. What a great and holy, holy God we have. He sees our plights. He sees our discouragement, our weakness, and yet He calling us to repentance. <laughs> Folks, what's He saying? I still love you. I love you all. I know you're not perfect, but I want you to repent. What's repentance mean? It means you're turning away from it means you're grieved. And when we sin, and we know we've done something God is not happy with, what do we, what do we need to do? Have you ever done, guys, you ever done something really stupid, and it's upset your wife? And you're bound determined you ain't going to cave in, but you realize things aren't going to get any better until you do what? Repent. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go, and you gotta ask for forgiveness, and say, "Hey, I did, I did this. It wasn't real smart. I apologize." That's the same way God is, is, is asking us to do as Christians is to repent, and He doesn't want us to stay there and remain in there. He doesn't want us to be like a bunch of pigs and waller in the mud. Uh, y'all ever raise any pigs? I, 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 I was young. I was. Grade school, we had pigs. I used to ride them. Aggravated my mom to no end. I'd grab their ears and I'd jump on their back. And off they'd go. And inevitably, they'd go straight for the barbed wire fence. And, and my mom jumped all over me for riding them pigs. Well, it didn't hurt the pigs. She didn't care about the pigs. She didn't want me getting hurt. But you know, we don't have to live like pigs and stay in the, the muck because we actually stepped in it. Get out of it. Clean up. Go to God. Ask for forgiveness. Repent. Folks, we're, 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 <laughs> we're, we live in condemned bodies of sin and, and you're going to cause a problem between you and God. And if you're praying and you just don't know why your prayers aren't going any farther than the ceiling then you may need to stop, step back a minute, and say, okay, how's my temple doing today? Go back and do a study in, in numbers of how God designed the temple, or the tabernacle, excuse me, in the wilderness. He designed it specifically. We were getting ready to talk about the menorah this morning. That's a big, that's a big explanation about the menorah and the seven stars before the throne. Uh, folks, God thought of everything. And the temple this morning, as you take a look at the temple this morning, guess where the temple is at? Where's the tabernacle? Where's the temple? Right here. And God says it's got to be clean, it's got to be sanctified, justified, it's been justified by Jesus. He was our sacrifice. It's got to be sanctified by what? His cleansing of us. And that doesn't happen until we do what? If my people will humble themselves and pray 
In other words, he's saying, humble yourselves and repent. And then you can go in before the Holy of Holies and ask anything you want. And it'll be granted. Now that's where our problem is today, uh, Christians. We've forgotten that as you pass from, and I'm not going to get into that, but um, the lover, the lover was the big brass um, article that held water in it, and before the, the priest could go from sacrificing the lambs and animals, they had to go to this laver or laver, however you want to say it, and they had to clean all the blood off. All the sin had to be cleaned off before they could even enter into the tabernacle. So today, God has shown us we got to do the same thing. We don't have to offer a sacrifice no more because Jesus was that. But man, I got to repent. Most of the time, I got to do it every day. I work in construction. I'm a. I do. Uh, I work for Spire Energy, natural gas distribution. I do pressure and measurement. So what that means is, every town that has gas in our area, I, I serve from. Well, I work at back end of Springfield's power station all the way to Seneca, um, Southwest City, down to Arkansas Line, all the way up to El Dorado Springs. That's our area. And every town in there, other than what Joplin covers, uh, I take care of the pressures in the town, the pressures in the mains from like Mount Vernon. Uh, we have a main that goes from Verona to Mount Vernon and at that same tap to end of Verona. So I got to take care of all that. That's my responsibility. And so it's the same thing with us, folks. There are things in our lives that are as our responsibility. And sin is one of those things we got to learn to deal with and deal with it quickly because they'll pile up and then when we go into the the tabernacle, into the holy the holy place, which the holy place is before the holy of holies. Can I get past the holy place? Can I get past all of God's provisions and then go to Him face to face? And that's where we need to be. That's that's the awesome place to be. That's where Moses was at. I want to see God's face before I get to heaven, to be honest with you. ain't never going to happen, but that's what I want. Somebody asked Billy Graham once if he'd ever heard the voice of God, and he said, no, never have. Has anybody in here? I'm not saying you didn't. I never have, but I'm here to tell you I felt His holy presence so many times it ain't funny. I I got to say this before I go on and I will go on. I don't even know how what time it is. I don't see a clock. Am I getting close? Boy, yeah, way over. I was hunting one day. very first time I went hunting with a bunch of guys at work and this guy that we were hunting uh, down in uh, Arkansas, Pineville, down by Jane. And this gentleman, Tom, I can't remember his last name, let us hunt on his land. Anyway, he was telling us, he said, yeah, my wife's buried out there somewhere. He had hundreds of acres we were on. And uh, we all get going out there in our own little place. And I come across these rocks. Now, dumb as I am, I knew what they were. I mean, they were just flat on the ground, and it was just rectangular. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wonder what's under these rocks. And back of my brain, I knew what was under these rocks, right? Probably his wife was there. And (laughs) I reached down, and I started to grab this rock, and somebody grabbed my shoulder and I'm standing there with a gun and I'm you know hunting and fear just come all over me and I turn around to see who that was and there was nobody there now you may have had experiences like that 
But this lady was a Christian lady. I found out later on. And God really loved her to no end. This is where she wanted to be buried. But my point is this. God is very real and He takes care of His people. He's here in our lives and He'll tell you quickly if you're doing something wrong. That was... (laughs) That was the highlight of my this is wrong things, okay? What you're doing is wrong. Leave it alone. Go on. And I took off. I was almost at a dead run. I kept looking back. I kept looking to see who that was, and there just was nobody there. So God is still here. He's still telling us that there are times when you have to seek repentance. He still loves us. Matthew chapter 11, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Isn't that great? Man, folks, there's times in my life that, uh, man, I just, I was down. I was it. I'd I'd had enough. I'll, I'll make a confession to you this morning. You'll probably never have me back again. I've been married twice. That's why I say I'll never be a pastor. Now, I've disappointed God to no end. And I'm going to have to answer for that. And I ain't going to go into why. That's not irrelevant. But I, God had a plan for me, and I got in the way. But you know what? It's hard for me to explain all this because... Things like this ought to keep you just so far away from the pulpit, it ain't funny. When the church came to me and asked me to be an elder, I told them no, can't do it. And I said, I don't meet the qualifications. And I said, I'm not going to embarrass God like that. I'm not going to humiliate him, I'm not going to dirty his name. So, (laughs) they wouldn't let it go. And I kept telling them, no, I can't do that. It's just, it's not possible. I don't meet the qualifications. And so finally, the church voted out of, oh, we had several guys. I don't know, there was a dozen or so. And out of those dozen, we had four elders chosen. And I was chosen. <laughs> I kept telling the pastor, man, I don't belong here. I just don't. But God finally got through to me and he told me and as, as I tried to explain to them and we, all the elders, we all talked over all this and said, you know, none of us really deserve this. But God reminded me that it's time to move on. It's time to move forward. You've repented. Uh, the sin is forgiven. It's time for you to take that next step forward. Now, I'll never be a pastor and that's fine. I understand that. I understand why. And I'm not hurt. But guess what? <laughs> I'm here this morning. Why am I here this morning? Why are you here this morning in this building? Do you not love God? Do you not seek His approval? You kids, you, I don't know if you'll ever understand why old people like us keep coming to church. We we start figuring out that God wants us to live close, right? Uh, I'm 60 years old. I'm a lot closer today, right? But God has blessed me. God has shown me that if I will humble myself, I will pray and I will seek His face, then He will heal my land. My land... I don't cry. It's not manly. Uh, God's healing my land. That's why I'm here this morning. God loves us, folks. He says, if you got a burden, if you're heavy laden, come to me. I'll carry it. Take my yoke upon of me. Learn of me. For I'm meek, I'm lowly, and you shall find rest in your soul. I'm going to have to run forward. What's a Christian look like? First of all, you have to remember who you belong to. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? You are not of your own. 
You have been bought with a price. Wow. Think about that. Now you owe somebody, right? Jesus said, I'm going to forgive you of your sins, but I want you to be a servant too. That means if I walk out here and somebody shoots me, God says, well, I needed you to do that for me. Come on, God, I don't understand that. What's the purpose there? Well, probably none of your business. But I want you to be a servant. I want you to do what I ask because guess what? There's going to be five people look and say, man, I want to follow God like maybe like he did. See? See what I'm saying? God has a purpose. We have to remember who we belong to because we have been bought with a price. We need to humble ourselves. Not a fun one. Learning to to be humble is not easy and it's not fun. Jesus said to his disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. You sit down one day and take, if you have ever wanted to see what happens in the life of the disciples, go buy uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and take a read and then throw the book away. Because... <laughs> It's a terrible, terrible book. But it's true. It's what happened to these guys. They paid a terrible price. They didn't die easy. There was only one guy out of all of these disciples that they can say died naturally. Guess who that was? John. Now you think about that. These guys followed God. They were with Jesus Christ. They saw Him. They touched Him. They laughed with Him. Anybody watching uh, The Chosen? It's good. Uh, it ain't perfect. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's Hollywood. But I sat there and I thought, Jesus told a joke once, talking about healing this guy's broken leg. And He told a joke. And everybody just stopped. They froze. They didn't know what. And Jesus said, sorry, too soon? He was just joking. It was just a joke, guys. Come on. None of us think about Jesus telling a joke, do we? Making a funny. But we're, we're created in God's image, aren't we? James 4 tells us, By he giveth, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore the scriptures say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Why does He want us to be humble? He wants to give us everything we want. Be subject, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and He'll flee from you. He'll flee from you. This is the best place to be on Sunday morning, folks. This is the best place to be every day. If I could live in the church, I'd do it. Because the devil don't live here. He tries to. We'd probably be amazed at some of the things that are happening around us that we don't see. You remember... Uh, Elisha and his servant stepping out of the gates of Jerusalem and and here comes the enemy. Elisha wasn't worried, was he? You remember that story? But his servant was having a conniption. He was was about to have a coronary on all this. Come on, old man, don't you see the enemy? There's thousands of them. He said, we got more than that standing in the hills behind us. And finally Elisha told or asked God, uh, to open up the eyes of his servant. And when the eyes of his servant were open, he turned around and he looked. And upon all these hills were thousands of angels in armor with swords ready to go to battle. Folks, we have a God who's, who's, who all he asks us is to be humble. Third, be, you, you need to pray. Uh, Luke 18 tells us, uh, we need to pray. Fourth, we need to seek His face. Numbers 12. And He said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, Jehovah, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. This is where Aaron and, and uh, Miriam got trouble. Verse 7. My servant Moses is not so. He is faithful in my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. This is Numbers 12, 6. You need to 
need to dig in there and look at this. I speak to him mouth to mouth, even manifestly, even physically. Not in dark speeches and the form of Jehovah shall he behold. And the form of Jehovah he shall behold. Wow. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my service, servant Moses? Miriam and Aaron had made a terrible, terrible grievance against God. All God wants to do, folks, is to have a relationship with us. But we got to keep that door open. And the way we do that is to keep the temple clean. Repentance is a daily thing. Prayer is a constant thing. If you can't, don't know how to pray constantly, come up here and I'll, I'll, let, I'll tell you all about it. It's easy. You don't have to bow your head. You keep your mind functioning on God. What's He tell us to do all day long? You, you sing hymns and psalms. You pray all day long. It keeps reminding you who you belong to. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let me end before you throw me out. Going back to Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, run from sin, repent, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. How hard is that? Let's go to the let's go to Congress and tell the Democrats and the Republicans the good news we found out, right? Think they'll listen? <laughs> Anybody here well how long ago was it? Uh that pastor stood up from Kansas and he said he told the prayer in the Senate. And man, he just laid it out. I mean, he called it the way exactly how it was in his prayer. He said, God, he said, we call, um, we have homosexuals and we just call it a different lifestyle. He said, we're wrong, God. They never asked him back. I mean, he listed the whole prayer. I wish I could remember. It's on the internet somewhere. But this guy had his opportunity and he stood up and he called it exactly the way God said it. He paid the price. They never had him back, but big deal. God blessed him. We will never be healed until we seek God's face. Now, the church is going through a hard problem. I could pick on a lot of dudes, but I want to, and I'm old enough to remember Cecil Todd, Jimmy Swagger still out there. But today we we've, we've still got more. Um, who's the yo-yo down at? Oh gosh, I just thought of his name down in Texas. Went on Oprah. Somebody help me out here. Sorry. Yes, thank you, Joel Olstein. What a disappointment. Well, what a total disappointment. He had his opportunity, and he did not take it. Do you think, he, they, he was asked, that this is the only way to heaven? Yeah, quick answer, yes, that's it. But no, you know, I really don't think so, was something like he gave an answer to. Come on. We're the church of God. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. That's it. It's over. No debate. We, this morning, as you, the church, as me, as a Christian, folks, God is asking us to keep our temple whole, holy and righteous and clean, and that comes at work. You've got to keep continually working at it, studying the Scriptures, seeking repentance, uh, you have, if you're married, you have a, a mate that will help you study the scriptures and help you um, walk the straight and narrow. That's why God is, has a granted marriage. Is you're not going to get through this life all by your own. You're going to need help, and this is one of the ways He He put Adam and Eve together and says you're you're going to have to work together now. You're going to have to work together. 
And marriage represents uh, the bond that we have with Jesus Christ. So I'll leave that one alone. But God is telling us, if my people who are called by my name, that's us. That's us. Thank you for listening. This morning, I, I, I don't know, every one of you may be saved this morning. I hope so. But I want to stand. I want to have an a invitation. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe somewhere down the road you're, you're pretty sure you, did, you had it all wrong, we want to tell you who Jesus is and, and why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life this morning. Let's stand. Uh, have a quick word, uh, invitation, maybe one verse at your opportunity. Come down and pray if you want. We'll pray with you.